Hello, Tim Bellpot listener. I just wanted to throw out a bit of a disclaimer that these early episodes, we were still figuring it out, and we got better in pretty much every way. Definitely audio, storytelling, joke telling, research. So, um, you know, maybe start with episode 20. But if you still want to see what the growing process was like for us, continue listening to these early ones because I could see how that's fun. But um, just know it gets better. Hi guys, I just wanted to let you know that since the last disclaimer, we've gotten so much better at making disclaimers. Like for example, um, this one has lasers. This one has some dinosaurs. Talk like a robot in this one. And if you want to listen to an episode like without any disclaimers, I would say um, maybe like 27. I think Bruiser Brody, I think that was like the first episode where we figured out kind of, oh, this is what we do. So, yeah, no disclaimers on that one. Um, I mean, you can listen to this old ass episode. I wouldn't, you know, and I fucking wrote it and edited it and researched it and. All right. Well, uh, enjoy this episode. If you like impressions, that's me doing a rock impression. Oh, I thought it was you doing Rich Little. Oh. <laughs> Frank Caliendo for you young kids out there. Fucking I don't know. Rich Little. Right. It, I think I think Dave Anthony recently went back and listened to Rich Little. And he's like, he's terrible. He does he does everything as Rich Little. He's fucking terrible. Yeah, I, I also do a bit where like I reference Rich Little as an impersonator, and, and I'm like, I should say Frank Caliendo, but fuck you, young kids. I'm sticking with the reference. Yeah, I I, I think I did a Facebook stupid joke one time where I did like uh, I think it was a Sean Sean Connery or something. And it was like, what is the impression? No, it's Rich Little doing Sean Connery, and it's like, god damn, yeah, bad at comedy, bad at comedy. <laughs> Little Richard is one of the great R&B singers of our time. I mean, yep. All right. Anyways, I'm Nick Alexander. I'm here with Micah Loving. Woo! And we are two dumb marks here with an actual pro wrestler. I think we're two dumb smarts. No, marks. Uh, Uh, Jake Manning is right across from us. Mm -hmm. With a nice microphone. (laughs) And I think uh, two dumb marks and a pro wrestler would have been a cool name for this uh, podcast. <laughs> well, that, that's so remote. I'll tell you that much. It, it, even though it sounds like a sitcom on the WWE Network. Where <laughs> we're like, pot. we learned the word bump today. And Jake's like, why I ought to. <laughs> Let's bring this up at the end of the episode just to hammer it home to whoever's listening. Well, see, I was more thinking I'd be Mr. Roper. Like, <laughs> Is there rape going on in here? Golly. <laughs> Alright, today we are talking about James Wiley Smith, who was born in Fiji, May 18th, 1943. He died January 15th, 2017. I believe people knew him as Jimmy Superfly Snooka Brada. 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 <laughs> I'm not saying brother, alright? That's, that's my no, goal no, no. for this entire podcast. If not I'm going to say Brada. B-R- Take a shot every time I say Brada. And B-R-U-D-D-A. Yeah, that's how I have it spelled, Brada. So, uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Jimmy Snuka. Did he jump off the cage? No, no, that's not it. Uh, and for this... Did he actually get an actual coconut bashed against his head? <laughs> that is, that is an actual you... good question. Uh, all right. They bounced off the table like they were real. Yeah, yeah, they did. For this podcast, for part one of Jimmy Snuka, we're going to separate the art from the artist, the wrestling from the wrestler, the guy you should not go to a hotel with from... Don't go to hotels with Jimmy Snuka. We were making those jokes on part two. Yeah, so, so, right, that was right. just a teaser for part two. We are literally separating the artist from, from, 
them. So and there aren't. And no matter no matter how you feel about Snoka, sorry, I couldn't get it. I barely could get it out. I can't. I I was like, oh, I get why we're doing the part two, and we were so demanded upon it. I thought it was a time restriction. It makes sense. It, it makes, makes sense. It sense. makes perfect sense. We are solely talking about I just want to give it up art. to Nick for right for suggesting the part two. Yeah. And but, uh, and I I keep thinking of like a nice piece of art of Jimmy Snuka given the fucking like, <laughs> I love you. I love you symbol. Like a Velvet Elvis yeah. type thing. So that was in my head when I was saying that as well. Yeah. So. His I love you hands have a knife in them. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Uh, we just, saved this lander for part right, two. This, this is part one. We're, this is wrestling. That was right. it. That was it. All right. So if you're a Snooka fan, this is your safe space. This yes. is this, this is, is your we're safe doing space. It. This is the one you like. And no matter. Start the podcast right now. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward. Uh, it's too late. You've already listened to it. But forgive us and then move forward. Uh, no matter how you feel about Snooka, there is no denying that he was one of the most innovative and influential wrestlers of all time. It's true. So uh, let's get into it. Snooka's family moved to Hawaii when he was a kid, and there he would become an amateur bodybuilder in the 1960s. Mr. Hawaii and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's later. He would become a professional bodybuilder, earning the titles of Mr. Hawaii, Mr. Waikiki, and Mr. North Shore. And I bet he said things like, please, please, Mr. North Shore is my father's name. <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Uh, Delete. <laughs> now, if you look at Snook in his prime, he was a beast. Uh, 5'10", 250 pounds, 250 pounds of muscle. And, yeah, it was all pure muscle. Yeah, and, and cocaine. In 1968... Allegedly. <laughs> in 1968, uh, at the age of 25, Snook would get into the wrestling business being trained by Danny Hodge. Now, Danny Hodge is a super interesting guy if you don't know him. He had an amazing career as an amateur wrestler, a pro wrestler, and a boxer. He was an Olympian, and the Dan Hodge Trophy oh, is wow. apparently the amateur wrestling version of the Heisman. Wow. And he's in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, and as an amateur boxer, he was 17-0. and 0. As a pro wrestler, or a pro boxer, he was 8-2, and 2, which is, that is pretty badass. Sorry, real quick. Do we do, is it? There's just a pro wrestling hall of fame. Yeah, separate from WWE. I know, but where is that? Does it have a location? There's one in Iowa, and there's also one in New York. The probably one that Danny Hodge is a part of that you're referencing is probably yeah. the one in Iowa because Iowa is fucking awesome. So <laughs> like, I just really uh, what's the one in New York? Or do you know the distinction? It's between? like upstate New York. It's like a, more of a pro wrestling hall of fame, but I think the one he's referring to more of an amateur. Yes, yeah, so I. I I don't know if the one in upstate New York has a physical location. I definitely don't know what the one in Iowa does because I've visited it multiple times. Road trip. (laughs) Highly recommend it. I mean, I really would. Or later, I'll show you all the pictures that are still saving on my phone. Oh, so, <laughs> no, we gotta go. Like it's, gotta it's, go. It's, it's a good mixture of amateur and professional wrestling. It, it mixes How the two very well, and which is basically Danny Hodge. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he cool. is... Uh, the antithesis of that as well. So, which, uh, by the way, did I ever tell you the story of me meeting Danny Hodge? Oh, we we have to now. Yeah, because uh, Danny, if I'm not mistaken, has the legendary story of him having this insane grip strength. Uh, I think he was legendary that he could smash an apple with his hand. I think I've heard that. Like he, he he could still do that. Like in like his 70s and 80s, and like in his later years, he could still smash an apple. Like he. That grip strength, and I'll never forget the fear that washed over me before <laughs> I shook his hand. Because like, is this man gonna pulverize? Because you know, I'll, is you my know, entire life about to be ruined right old now? Old men shake hands hard anyway. Yeah, right? they yeah, do that yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah. And this guy is known for his <laughs> grip strength. What the fuck is he gonna do with I my crip, meat hands? I cripple two boys every day, and it makes me happy. Yeah, it does exactly. I don't know if that's what he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't. Oh, know. get up, pushy! It's like, just your hand. Just old those old hookers, man. They like yeah. to just grab you in a certain way yeah. and just like. Right away, and you're look at look at him. He's crippled. <laughs> look at him. Yeah, and I think that's also why he they he killed like the NWA light heavyweight title so many times. Is the NWA. I thought you were gonna say a person. I was like, oh shit, he did have a strong grip. Well, he yeah, he held the NWA person. Like right? <laughs> <laughs> they they before they had belts, they had actual people you carried, and Danny Hodge <laughs> really could do that. So the South uh, was wish. a big yeah, it was a 
good at like trafficking humans, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I he held like the light heavyweight title, if I'm not mistaken. And part of the reason they always usually had it on him or revolved back to him at some point in time is because they are like, well, nobody's gonna fucking take it from him in a shoot. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like nobody. You want to talk booking with this guy? <laughs> yeah, like if they're like, oh, we want to do this and this and this, and they try to do some funny business, and he'll just be like. No, you're not. Yeah, he would correct you right <laughs> I'll away. see you out there. So so uh, after being trained, Snooka made his debut as Jimmy Koloa. I can't Kalua. Speak. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. No, Kalua would be with you because there yeah, was actually yeah, yeah. a King Kalua in... You're right, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I graduated high school. I just want to make a dumb drinking joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, he lived in Monroe, but we can't hold that against him, so... Um, anytime I say something stupid, Spencer would go, your Monroe is showing. I'm like, oh, man. Monroe, <laughs> it makes me sad. Uh, anyways... Uh, Monroe, North Carolina, not Mo- Monroe, Connecticut. They do out there, so... Yeah, all right. Uh, he, he'd spend the early 70s on the mainland wrestling for Don Owen's NWA Pacific North... West, now I feel self-conscious about how I'm speaking, territory. Uh, it was Portland, brother. It, <laughs> yeah, was Portland. Yeah, it was Portland. It was Portland. Um, Up there for Owens. It was in that territory he transformed himself into Jimmy Snuka. So there he held the heavyweight championship six times. He also held the tag championship six times with partner Dutch Savage. Snuka also had a two-year feud with another rookie, Jesse the Body Ventura. And uh, Jesse said, in an interview, Jesse said if he had to narrow it down to two people to work with every night, it would be Snuka and Tito Santana. He said, quote, What a night off! You knew you had Snuka, you had a phenomenal match. The thing would go great, and you'd make a lot of money. What could be better than that? Also, the shadow government was behind 9-11. They want to take our guns so when the reptilians come to feed, we won't have anything to defend ourselves. Hulk Hogan broke up the wrestlers' union. Hulk Hogan broke up the wrestlers' union. Say, say it ain't got time. I ain't got time to complete. Ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> yeah, you should have done the I was Jesse. Like, why? I was, I was this buttering. shit will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> Wrestling snooker was like a night off. Because <laughs> you got to end with it. You got to, oh. Yeah. You got to play like, oh. Right Santana. Of Santana. Chico Santana. <laughs> quite possibly one of the best professional wrestlers you step in the ring with. <laughs> you used, used to make fun of him all the time on commentary. But it was all out of love. All out of love. <laughs> that's what love is. That's what, that's what love is, is you make yeah. fun of a man. Just imagine how much I loved Uncle Elmer when I made fun of him on Saturday like night's we're, main event. We're slowly slipping into Sean Connery. Fuck Schnooka, we're just gonna do Sean Connery. <laughs> See when you slap a woman. <laughs> you gotta give her a little slap. Alright. Oh, oh shit, shit, Jimmy Stewart! Jimmy Stewart's uh, popped up! <laughs> All right, we apologize to anyone that came for wrestling. <laughs> we apologize for Rich Little, okay? <laughs> Snooker would make his way across the territories, wrestling in several uh, NWA regions, including Texas. And in 77, he won the Texas Heavyweight Championship and the tag titles. Snook- what did people in Texas think of somebody like Jimmy Snooker? It's true. From the Fiji Islands. Can you imagine in the 70s somebody from the Fiji Islands showing up the in hair Texas? Plus the skin. Who's, who's jacked and doing yeah. flying through the air like a fucking Superman? I can't even imagine. All your daughters, all your daughters are <laughs> fucked. Yeah, just, 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 the, just the the minds blown yeah, with yeah, yeah, coming it, across that because it, is true. it was before internet, before TV was. Anything that exposes people, people are writing letters to people across the state. It's yeah. like, hey, have you seen this Jimmy yeah. Snooker fucker? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, as as narrow as my upbringing was with people of color, I can only imagine in the seventies in Texas who were already ingrained in the mind frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after Texas, he headed over to Mid Atlantic, where he formed a tag team with Paul Orndorff. and in their first TV match, they defeated the NWA Tag Champions. Jack and Jerry Briscoe. But it was non-titles. They didn't win the belts. Uh, Orndorff and Snuka also defeated Baron Von Raschke and Greg. I don't know if he was the hammer at this point. Valentine. Just say it anyway. uh, When they beat them, they became uh, the tag champs in 79. 
On September 1st, 79, Snooka defeated Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the U.S. title. You're not sure he's the dragon then either, uh, I don't so don't know. say it. I don't know. He was probably the dragon. He was always the dragon. Uh, his uh, career eventually led him to Georgia, where he would team up with Terry Gordy. Bam, and, bam. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> the NWA was not, tag he team. He was bam, bam. And uh, they, yeah. they beat... Oh. Yeah, they won the belts. Oh, no, me, well. Nick. I don't. I, I just defeating Ted DiBiase and Steve Olenowski. Yeah, Olson. I was waiting for you to pronounce Olenowski. I can't pronounce Olsonowski. Olenowski. No, Steve no, Ed. it's Olsonowski. Look at it. I don't think it's. A, it's there's no O L O. Is there another Steve Olenowski? But look, there's an S. Welcome to Tim Bell Pod, where we <laughs> debate Polish oh, names for an oh, hour and a half. I have only an one English st- degree. <laughs> There's only one Steve O, my friend. Like, I, I think this is Steve Olanowski. I didn't go to UNCC for four years for nothing. <laughs> I think it's Steve Olanowski. I stand by we'll that. Fight Somewhere we're okay. making Lavar Burton very sad. Um, but 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 before we move on, as I'm looking at your list here, like look at the names he's worked pre- already. Oh, I'm Pre- looking at them. I can't pronounce them. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but like you get Ted DiBiase, Ricky yeah. Steamboat, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Paul Orndorff, guys that That's are a lot of confidence. But but they, but but they were still kind of young as well. We're talking we're talking early seventies here. True, like true. he's bouncing around a crew that in about four years they're going to be part of changing the wrestling industry right, as right, we know right. it. Seriously, you know, and they're just bouncing around, and that's the other thing too is like that's. People don't talk so much about the magic of the early 80s WWF period right. is that a lot of these guys had wrestled in NWA territories against each other. And and when you've wrestled with another individual, you know how to work with them. No work with them. And if you see them in advance, like that's one of the things like yeah, I, I pity anybody that books me against Caleb Conway <laughs> because we'll, if you're like, guys, do whatever you, you want. Book us first, the house down. If you book us first, we will make it difficult for the rest of the show because we just know each other in and out when we've how we advance which we do different now what we do this and and that's kind of what this whole nba territories were especially when you're working with somebody multiple nights so by the time they got to wwf and the wrestling wrestlemanias they wrestled together 20 times right 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 or 30 or 50 times but their cadence down their moves their spot you know and that's why you can call it in the ring brother because i already know what you're gonna do you know and we've already got this short list of moves during this time period when you move one way and then you can listen to the crowd and give them what they need in the moment as opposed to let's you know, right. lay something out. That's right, why it's right, so right. different. It's such a unique time, and that's why Jim Cornette bitches about it being the way it is right now. Because <laughs> it's a beautiful time right here. Oh, corny. So, so in January of '82, pushing 40 years old, Snuka went to the WWF for the first time. Now we've covered Bam Bam, Big Boss Man, Chris Candido, who all seem to be babies during their first WWF run. Here's Snuka at 40. That's different, right? Uh, do you have do you off the top of your head? Can you name a lot of forty year old rookies? Like, well, I mean, when Ric Flair showed up, right? Well, well, know, there are but, the, the there's like him and Sting, but you know who had been working. Well, the thing was, I thought prior. I thought Ric Flair was a rookie when he came in in the yeah. early nineties yeah. because I didn't have yeah. WCW or NWA on my television. Okay. Yeah. All I had was WWF superstars. Like all I had was the basic. ABC, NBC, CBS, what, and Fox. What was NWA on Earth? In... I didn't see it. Didn't have cable. Didn't have TBS. But uh, yeah, this is a, all NWA early stuff was all on cable TBS. It was on, on TBS, yeah. But in, even like in the 80s, though. I mean, that had to be... Just... Super, super Station reached all the way up to Ohio. That's Jesus why Christ. That's why Georgia Championship Wrestling, they would run shows in Ohio because that Superstation would reach all the way up to Ohio, and it was really big. So, like, well, we're really big in Ohio. We, Even though we're Georgia Championship Wrestling, we have to run you in Ohio. Right. Shows there. So, like, that was your exposure yeah. is that Superstation reached all these different places. So then cable got to be big. So the only time way you saw WCW or NWA was you had cable providers. I figured they were just on, you know, random click, click, click yeah. type stations. No. Like whatever channel eight always is. Yeah, so when so when weird, Rick yeah. Flair showed up, I thought he was a rookie. I'm like, man, this rookie's old. His hair is fucking white. And, and also, and also too, the syndication on on the ABC affiliate was a little shoddy. Like there would be mornings where uh, superstars wouldn't be on, 
or then there'd be like week periods. So yeah. like I would miss a whole booking period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I picked some pops up and you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I'm like, God dang it. And then like I, I skipped Sunday school specifically to see wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling's not on. <laughs> and then so then I go through like six weeks of I'm going, going to Sunday hell school. just so I can watch this shit. Yeah. And then I would turn it on and then there's this guy and then there's Macho Man wrestling this guy who's like, Oh, he's new. He's a rookie. But he's really old. He calls him Ric Flair. <laughs> What's he doing with Miss Elizabeth? Miss Elizabeth ain't with him. She's like, young and hot, man. What's, yeah, she doing? what's going on? What's she doing here? So, yeah, I mean, 40s, you know. But I guess, like, it, it is shocking to me that yeah. he has he got in this late. I mean, I don't think it'd be like Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, that's DDP was he old. started yeah. at 36 Well, DDP like started, I mean, he was in it forever before he got big, though, right? He was in the business. Well, yeah, well yeah. even at this point, Snooker's been in the business 15 years, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. The early 70s, it would have been maybe 12 if he started yeah. in 70. So that's 12 years experience. It's about right. But you still get in in your 30s. Yeah. Right? That's something. Yeah. I, I mean, don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> so it's not too late for me, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly what we were. That, that's, that's <laughs> you had all... your first match in your 30s. No, wait. No, I was 20. That all that discussion about Ric like Flair being a rookie, twenties, twenties. Yeah, all that discussion about Ric Flair was all to talk to you into being a pro wrestler. Thank you, so. I appreciate it for you acknowledging my dreams. Thirty minute episode. <laughs> all right, uh, Jimmy would wrestle as a hill under the guidance of Captain Lou Albano, and uh, Snooker lost several shots at the title against WWF champion Bob Backlund, including a steel cage match at Madison Square Garden. Missed it. Where Snooker dove off the top of the cage, missing Backlund, allowing Backlund to escape the cage. Uh, this match won uh, Match of the Year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated. However, it is not the famous cage dive you are probably thinking of. Well, that's why for forever I didn't know. Like I knew Snooker and I knew the cage dive, but I didn't know the legacy because it's weird. Because the one he hits is a match he loses, and he—I mean, he loses both matches. But it's just like I didn't know. It was like oh. The back one I didn't know he lost like he them attempt- either. Yeah, 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 he attempted the, the splash, but then he missed it. And then Backlund dives out, and the crowd just goes fucking bananas. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was I was clueless on the details. Yeah. So everyone that talks about Snooker during this era not only says he was a good worker and a huge draw and a fan favorite, almost everyone says he was Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. Like, he was huge. He was a really big deal. And even though Snooker was a hill, he won fans over because he was a high flyer, which not I can't imagine anyone was really doing what he was doing at this time. Well, just that that spot where he would do the leapfrog while the guy's running at him, and then the backwards leapfrog, and then the yeah. backwards leap, leapfrog. That was fucking shoulder, mind like that. Did he make that? That was him. That was his. Uh, uh, that was definitely a trademark of his. Okay. And that is. Fucking mind blowing. I didn't know that, that that was his type thing, but yeah. He, even though a, a man of his size and leaping flat footed too, because one of the things it's true, it's true. He wouldn't like prepping. He would just whoop. Because I always make this comment when I teach kids about like leapfrogging over somebody as they're running. I always tell kids like, hey, if you don't have the leaping ability, I still need you to do this leapfrog. Um, See what you can but do. I'll tell you. But I always tell them to do the Shawn Michaels, where basically. You, the guy's running at you, and you kind of run, you leap at him, and you kind of get your one leg up. Oh, as yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So you kind of get, yeah. you get, you just get one leg up. So basically, all you're doing is you're kind of just lifting one leg, and they're getting underneath of you, yeah, as opposed right. to doing like an actual split in the air, like right, a Cedric right. Alexander yeah. could, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, um, but yeah, like, like you kind of like lift and run over top of them, like almost like you're hurdling them a little right, bit. Right, right. And they got to dip field underneath. Day. You're field daying them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a, a little bit of that. But like, you know, so I was t- so running at them. You can, so, but even too, you can, you get a little bit of a run and you even do a kind of a split, like I said, like Snooker. But, but when you're <clears throat> looking over your shoulder, you can't run at them backwards. You're not going to get any momentum. That's straight flat foot Just up. Yeah. Over a human being, and that's yeah. what's impressive about it. That's yeah. that is for sure flat foot. But when you see a guy coming, you can kind of leap at him and cut a little bit yeah, of a yeah, distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you are, you know, the physics are not in your favor yeah. backwards. You have to you have to literally leap over a human being. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, and it was things like that that would make Snuka so over that the crowd would eventually start booing Backlund, who was the top face of WWF for over seven hundred years. Yeah, if you do enough, like amazing spots yeah. i mean shit's gonna happen well, right also too backland was historically vanilla 
Yeah, they, tough to <laughs> keep a baby face. Yeah. They wanted him a baby face, and they were always sending in guys to be a, a big heel. They were always feeding heels, but like there would always be people chanting, Howdy, doody. <laughs> yeah. Howdy. Doody. Really? Yeah. I but part know. of the reason why Backlund had the belt, much in the same sense as Danny Hodge, you ain't gonna take the fucking belt from right. Backlund. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna. I mean, he was a he was a hooker. Yeah. He was a hooker. Yeah, if, if, and this is the same time they're also booking like NWA champions, NWA guys you want in New York. Legitimacy to the belt. Well, but also too, like you know, you would book like someone like a Harley Race to come in and wrestle Bob Backlund, and you know Harley could. Harley's real deal too. Harley could take it. Yeah. For, could try and contest Backlund, yeah. but Harley's gonna be like, you know what? Maybe I don't try Backlund. Yeah. It just, it just, it just why, the, why do it? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a threat of it. But you had, if you had somebody lesser than, and Harley's like, yeah. I have a clear win. Yeah, it, Harley could go. You know what? Sam Mushnick is going to give me an extra couple thousand dollars if I get the w, WWF belt and bring it to St. Louis. Right. But like, if he's like, oh, I got to get Bob. Nah, I won't fuck oh with God, Bob. You know, <laughs> I'll I'll leave it with Bob. That's crazy. The mind frames existed like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, that needs that's... to be a movie so fucking hard. So, as he was so over, they did turn him face, and in a storyline in 82, Buddy Rogers told Snuka that Albano was cheating him financially, and as a result, he fired him. Then, Snuka took on Rogers as his manager, and in a feud with Captain Lou and his clients, Freddie, Lassie, and mostly Ray Stevens. So, at that point, Snuka is the top guy. And I think there's even, like, a good... Like magazine article, and I think I got some pictures of it at the office. I definitely need to post some pictures about it because I do have some pictures of this specific time of Snuka. I have a lot of Snuka pictures oh from boy. this time. And there are pictures of a legendary angle with Ray Stevens where Ray Stevens gives Snuka a pile driver on the concrete Ooh. when a pile driver is like Back such then, a big deal. Back then, that's death. They had, and, they, and they did these photos of like, you know, like the people rushed over to Jimmy and they put a t-shirt around his neck to support his <laughs> neck. Like he's before neck braces and stuff like that. What paramedics? Like, yeah, like they were like, like you see the like like there's like a magazine article of like Snook holding all these t-shirts around That's his neck. Awesome. Like he broke his That's neck so nice. on the concrete and like yeah, Buddy Rogers had this like interview show and and that's the whole Albano thing. Um, came up. This is pre Piper's Pit. Was basically right, Buddy right, Rogers right, right. was the guy that was pushing these interview segments along. It's worth noting Buddy Rogers was also Snuka's real life friend at least for a while, and even helped Jimmy in his day to day life because Snuka had a hard time getting to appearances. He wasn't the most uh, organized or literate fella, and apparently a wee bit. Addicted to the cocaina. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Buddy was also his neighbor, I believe, in New Jersey after Jimmy moved his family from North Carolina. So 1983 is a huge year for Snuka in a lot of ways. He would feud with Intercontinental Champion Don Morocco, which led to a defining moment in Snuka's career and one of the biggest moments in wrestling history when on October 17th of 83, in a still cage match at Madison Square Garden. After losing, he drug Morocco back into the cage and connected with his most famous superfly splash of his career off the 15-foot cage. Now, that is probably the highlight reel dive that you're used to seeing. I mean, Snooker says that himself. That's his entire career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's the one that everybody knows. That's the one that gets all the play. And that's sometimes the one I, that he hits. He hits it. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's why you remember. Um, I just I, I don't want to be a smart here, but the, the Morocco match, it's under seven minutes long. A, a lot of snooker matches are. are like, I, watched the, the, I watched the Ken Patera two out of three falls match I saw. Yeah. Over 20 minutes. But it, I was just like, I mean, I might seem like a dick, but it's just it's a big blowout match. They build up to the cage match. And it's under seven minutes long. Yeah. But you can't forget about this as well. The Garden also had a curfew. Oh. You think they so ran they could have long been in other matches? Yeah. They could have ran long with a cage setup. Yeah. Oh, the cage. Okay. So you want to make sure that you get that match in with the blow off, especially if somebody's going to jump off a 15 I... fight okay. steel cage. But Snuka claims he just came up with that. No, I'm sure they. <laughs> well, had that he plan. already, you know, he had been jumping. Cool. I know, I know, I know. Because yeah. sometimes if you watch old Madison Square Garden like shows that they would play on the MSG network, sometimes they would put the main event 
like in the middle of the show, and then right. they'd have a curfew main event. Well, it's like, it's that like would a, run to like, all right, they, they, and they would stop at mid match, like, all right, we've reached curfew, shit. let's stop this Heart well, Foundation like Sat- versus British Bulldog match. <laughs> it's like so. Saturday Night Main Event on NBC. Sometimes they would do the biggest match at the beginning because yeah. they knew everyone was going to fall asleep after that shit. So they had to put the big stuff front. Yep. But I mean, I don't, I don't It was just like, it was the blow off to that match was very disappointing when I finally saw the match. All right, so uh, future wrestling stars The Sandman, Mick Foley, Tommy Dreamer, and Bubba Ray Dudley were all in attendance. Oh, yeah, and they true. cite this match for the reason they decided to get into pro wrestling. And I think Mick Foley has jumped off a cage or two in his life. He jumped life. off a roof or two. <laughs> and do you have that moment? Do you have that moment where you were like, yeah, I, I'm going like, to do this? Punching your sister in the face or, or something? Or was it something you just kind of loved? And... Royal Rumble. 2003, Chris Oh, fuck. Don't say his name. Don't say his name. And Kurt Angle. Oh, God. That match, because before that, all the main event guys, like The Rock was always billed like 6 foot 5, 270. Stone Cold was 6 foot 4, 250 pounds, and I was definitely never that, never going to be that. I don't want to be that weird guy, but I think that's the match that Metzler gave four and three quarters stars to, and he just couldn't push the five on because that was the highest rated match that didn't get five. I don't know, but yeah. They all got like a standing ovation afterwards. That was their fucking match. And I was just like, if Uh, these guys could be fucking main event, I'm roughly about the same size as them. And I can put that on. Yeah, not that I can put that on, but like maybe. At least it's possible. Well, that you, you see the potential in yourself, and you know what you I'm can... roughly Benoit's size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was the I issue. If I learn enough things, and I know, and I push myself hard enough, I can achieve this level. Because I was under the impression you had to be six foot five. Right, right, right. right. And I was never going to be six foot five. Yeah. Well, Snooka was named 1983 Wrestler of the Year by Victory Magazine, which later became WWF Magazine. And I'm going to point that out because... It's not biased. Uh, the Wrestling Observer Wrestler of the Year for 1983 was Ric Flair. While Snuka was probably the biggest person in WWF at the time, Dusty? he was never the biggest wrestler in the world. He never quite got up to like where Flair got up to, where Dusty got up to, where Andre the Giant got up to. Yeah, but yes, we're going to find out here a little later on because this is about the time Hulk is coming in. Yeah, the, he was Hulk right before Hulk. I re- I'm doing girl shit. But even yeah. like when Hulk was there, I remember Roddy Piper's book, which is not necessarily the most definitive piece of history. But <laughs> I, it should, I don't know what you're talking about. It should be noted in Piper's book. They said they had a hard time pushing Hogan very early because they're like, oh, we're like saying, oh, Hulk is our number one babyface. He's the number one star here. And they said they had a hard time with that because fans were like, no, 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 no. Superfly Jimmy yeah, Snuka is the top yeah. guy, you know. So they had a hard time with that going on because his popularity was so strong. Weird. So as a sidebar, 1983 was also the death of Nancy Argentino. But for now, we're gonna act like the general public, WWE, and the Whitehall Township Police Department, and pretend it didn't happen. Boom, roasted. Uh, uh, we're uh, we're gonna cover that in part two of Jimmy Snuka. But I will say that this event indirectly will influence his career, whether you believe he's innocent or not, for the rest of his career. But he was also having a lot of erratic behavior. Yeah. yeah because yeah. actually, that's he was no showing a lot of shows, yep. which is a big no no yeah. in the New York market. <laughs> that's, a, that's a t-shirt, and that, that's why that's why they never put the belt on him because I mean that they was couldn't a big trust him. You couldn't yeah. count on him. Yeah. Well, yeah. the reason that the Tongan kid had a career. Well, it's because he had to he go was to just re- filling we'll, in. We'll bring that up here in a yeah, second. Okay, yeah. okay, he okay. was filling in his feet. Okay, uh, make it, make it sure. Did anybody see the YouTube interview with him? No, I didn't watch. Oh, fuck. Uh, now, in 1983, was also the first year GPS would be available for civilian use, which has nothing to do with Jimmy or wrestling, but you learned something today. George St. Pierre? No. <laughs> That's GP- George Pierre St. I hate you. Uh, in 1984, I just ruined your moment. <laughs> you did. In 1984, Snuka began a feud with Rowdy Roddy Piper in a segment of Piper's Pit, where Piper attacked Snuka with a coconut and some bananas. Uh, good old fashioned uh, playful do, racism. Do we want to do we want to name all the fruits? There was a pineapple. pineapple. There was a coconut. There was bananas. bananas. There was more bananas. Shit. 
I don't know. All right, so yeah. 80s wrestling is kind of like an old lady that still describes those people as Orientals, even though they're clearly Hispanic. You just have to uh, kind of sigh and accept it. That's oh, how it was. I was then. talking on my other podcast, How Did This Get Booked, about Roddy Piper, and everybody talks oh, about, oh, he was such a good okay, heel. He was far. such a such a good heel. And I go, yeah, because he was using racial slurs. Right, right. You know, like, because yeah. he calls Bruno San Martino a WAP. In the middle of <laughs> really? Madison Square Garden, and like you can only imagine the awful shit he said to Chavo Guerrero when he was in L.A. Oh. And, and it was like, oh, but he was such a good bad guy. Yeah, because he was fucking racist. You yeah, fucking did. hipster. Why don't you do some fucking research and realize that he's problematic yeah. at best? Hipsters would have problems with the problematic stuff yeah. too. They yeah. just don't know their thing. But they're like, no, he was so cool. He's a wrestler, man. And shut the fuck up. We'll, we'll hey, he beat the fuck out of Keith David and they live. I'm, yeah. I'm sure we will cover Roddy soonish and how he did half blackface for Bad News Brown. But but at the same time too, Roddy Piper, great aw- sleeper, was uh, the shit. Was awesome, yeah. except for the last. Uh, two minutes of his life that I met him, like uh, uh, a couple of bad stuff. Hell, hell comes to Frogtown. He yeah, was... yeah, hell did come to Frogtown, and <laughs> I was living in Frogtown. So wow, that's a good fucking tease. Oh, he was great and always sunny. So I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed. He was that. in Always Sunny. Oh, you're, I hate you. Oh, with Jimmy uh, Snuka. All right, uh, yeah. That, so that attack would lead to a series of matches through the summer of '84, which is. Uh, Thought of very highly. And then in uh, late 84, Snooka would enter rehab, I assume for giving too many hugs. Um, hey, brother. And, brother. Uh, <laughs> I love you too much, brother. The uh, WWF would create a storyline which Piper had broken Snooka's neck, and then Tonga Kid would step in, build as Snooka's nephew to continue the feud. Old, actually, old wrestling trick. And uh, in, in territory days, you had uh, a popular wrestler in the territory and he left or went on to a different territory you just like oh we're uh, bringing his protege like Tommy Tommy Rich was such a big deal in Georgia when Tommy went off they had a Johnny Rich alright their feud would even play a small part in the first ever Wrestlemania where Snooker was Hogan and Mr. T's corner man can I, I want to recreate the shoot interview moment where uh, <laughs> where Snooka is asked about not being involved in WrestleMania one. Hey, 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 brother! I mean, it's just it's it's fine. It's you know is is what you gotta do. It's fine. I mean, you know, you do what you do. But why weren't you involved in the angle? I mean, you know, you wrote. I mean, brother, it's it's all good. <laughs> that that was way too coherent <laughs> for Jimmy Snooka. That was that was those were complete thoughts. I don't buy it. I don't buy your character. And you were doing an awful Rob Feinstein, by the way. <laughs> just let you know, Nick. Eighteen uh, year olds. Okay. All right, Jesus. Where Hello, are we? Well. <laughs> and all right, so I have a theory here too with uh, WrestleMania One. I feel like they botched the ending. So I'm not familiar. Please. So Cowboy Bob runs in, right? And he's supposed to do this spot where he jumps off the top rope, misses, I think, Paul Orndorff. Uh, or no, misses Hogan. Hits Paul Orndorff. Uh, Hogan falls on him, one, two, three. And then Snooka was supposed to run in, cut off uh, Cowboy Bob, and then you know, one, two, three. But Snooka runs into the ring, hits Cowboy Bob, runs back out of the ring. Cowboy basically no-sells it, gets up on the top, and then they do the spot. Did you Do you remember that? I don't. I don't either. I feel like he came in. Oh, you know, it, the match was fucking chaos. Yeah. Well, and that's why you have Pat Patterson as the referee because, and that's why yeah, I think yeah, Pat Patterson has said on interviews that he's just like I had to no, manage but, uh, he, so many things, facilitate all this bullshit. Yeah, and that's why you see all like these these matches were like LT versus yeah, Bam he, Bam he because he's got to make sure this yeah. all happens and he can call it in the ring right there. Yeah. And that's why Pat has always been yeah. so trusted. Snook spit it out. Snook left the WWF in eighty in July of eighty five, and he spent the rest of eighty five and early eighty six competing in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ask me the difference between all Japan and New Japan. What's the difference between all Japan and New Japan? Oh, you know, brother, just uh, different names. <laughs> I mean, is he wrong? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though, 
the the matches that I remember from Jimmy Snook in Japan are from All Japan. He was had some badass fucking moments in All Japan. He wrestled an amazing match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in All Japan, like a series of them. They're they're just amazing. Go hunt those out. It's incredible. And then also too, Snooka was teaming with Bruiser Brody. Um, he had some good Brody matches. In the Real World Tag League. Yep, yep, and it yep. was the Real World Tag League where they ended up in the finals against the Funk Brothers. And in the final match, they had Stan Hansen, who just jumped from New Japan to All Japan. And this was like... Before unheard he, of. Unheard of. And he's coming down the ring with Bruiser Brody and Jimmy Snuka. And Funk Terry Funk goes to the outside of the ring. And Stan Hansen comes up, pulls out the... He pulls out the pad. Oh, and, you're getting and, fucking larried the shit out of him. Larried him right on the fucking ground. People went fucking nuts. And it, it's a, that's another incredible mm. match that Snook is involved with. Ask me about how they were outside the ring. How was everything outside of the ring? Oh, great guys. Great guys. It was lot, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Oh, they, crazy, crazy guys. There was lots of fun outside the ring. We had some fun. Now, Snooka was also part of Wrestle Rock 86. <laughs> Which is the greatest promo package of wrestling history. It is true. Anyone that thinks Eminem is the greatest white rapper of all time, Google Larry Zabisco, bitches. Oh. It was, it is, it is. The human game of chess. And speaking of music, I'd like to mention, I think Jimmy Snuka had one of the worst themes of all time. If there's something... Shut your fucking if, if mouth. There, no, if there, if I, don't need, I can't even have an opinion on this, so this is YouTube no, against no, no. one another. WWE makes these iconic, you know, uh, themes and intros, and Snooka sounded like someone hit a preset on, like, a Casio keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Superfly. You're doing it all wrong. No wonder why you hate it, because it's burned in your memory wrong. It's Superfly. And then elevator music. I mean, when I, when I, when I, when I hear that, I want to roller skate the shit out of everything. <laughs> I mean, as, as a foes though, you know, like something amazing like that. All right. I, I, I didn't care for his music. Listen, anytime they play that shit in the fucking garden, people lost their fucking <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> So, uh, Snuka would split his time between AWA and Japan throughout 86 and 87. His most notable AWA feud was with Colonel De Beers, who portrayed a racist and looked down on Snuka because of his skin color. Wrestling. Ask me what I thought about him when he did the racist. What did you think about the racist wrestling? It's no good. It's okay, brother. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. No, no, no no worries worries here. No No worries here. Hey, can you punch Jake for trying to fucking <laughs> no, do this shit? No, I met the man. No, no, no. no I no. met the you man. You don't know nothing about it. It's when I do this shit. I've been in his home, brother. I've been in his home. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Hey, good guy. Hey, All will, right. you, will you ask me about when Genghis Khan came into my house and uh, destroyed all my things? How, how do you feel about Genghis uh, Khan and his relentless slaughter of the Chinese people? Oh, you know, Genghis Khan, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> Fantastic guy. He's he's a really good guy. He came over. We had, oh outside the ring. Oh, he's a party guy. He's a party guy. Lots of fun. He's a really good guy. But you know, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan is a good guy. Genghis Khan a good guy. <laughs> Dash Jimmy Snuka. All right, Snuka reemerged in WWF at WrestleMania five. This time I read it correctly. Uh, uh, in nineteen eighty nine, in one of the weirdest moments in WrestleMania history. Uh, Ronnie Garvin is about to wrestle Dino Bravo, who we covered in episode two. So they do their ring, they do their intros, the ring announcements. They're standing in the ring in opposite corners, and for no reason whatsoever, they announce Jimmy Snuka. His music plays. He walks super, into the super, ring. Super <laughs> he does his one on one knee. I love you finger pose, and just leaves. That's it. Why? That's all you fucking need because that music is awesome. Ronnie and Tino have to just wrestle like... Coco cane. It's the weirdest fucking thing. He just, in the middle of someone else's match, comes out, does his pose, bounces. That's a lot of drugs. (laughs) That's a lot of drugs. By everyone. Someone grossly missed their cue. What are you going to do when Snooka makes a decision? I'm just going to walk back. That's it. After that, Snooka would go on to feud with Honky Tonk Man, 
on what Honky Tonk described as mainly sea shows, where him and Honky would headline the sea shows, and then Snooker would go up to the main roster to put over new guys. Uh, he made his in-ring pay-per-view uh, debut uh, at SummerSlam against the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, and Snooker lost the match by countout as a result of DiBiase's bodyguard Virgil. Virgil, of course, getting that fuck money and spending it at Olive Garden. If you keep up with the internet, is is, is what he does. That sound was uh, him smacking butts. <laughs> All right, Brother, unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> Make that commercial off guard. I will eat there for the rest of my life. That's why my impersonation is better than yours. Olive Garden as Italian as apple pie. I trying to do a competition here. Oh. <laughs> Gauntlet's been thrown down. <laughs> All right. By the late part of 89, Jimmy was mostly used to put over uh, newer guys, such as up-and-comer Mr. Perfect, who he had a pretty good little feud with. In uh, January of 90, Snuka made his Royal Rumble debut, lasting 17 minutes, eliminating two people before getting tossed out by the eventual winner. Does anybody want to guess? The Undertaker. Hulk Hogan. Oh, fuck. Brother. I feel like... If we were good at details, we would have known the two people he threw out. No, I don't, I don't, I don't care to know. So after appearing at WrestleMania multiple times, Snuka would have his first ever WrestleMania match against Rick Rude uh, at WrestleMania Six, which is a pretty fun, short and sweet match, uh, which Rick wins with his Rude Awakening. And God damn it, how good was Rick Rude? How good was the Rude Awakening? Because that move, ah. The, the Rude Awakening always scared me because it looked like a concussion every fucking time. I'm, I'm trying to look like Rick Rude right now. I'm trying to get cut no, out. No, no, no. You're, you're sitting there and you're posing on your chair, but I can see you <laughs> trying to do it, and it's weirding me out, Jake. I've, I've, I saw a picture of Rick Rude on a bicycle, and I got a fat... <laughs> With his shirt off. It was a tandem bike. No, it was just it was just one of those old no, like, he's lying. Greg Lamont like skinny wheel bikes, shirt off, jean shorts. I go, that is everything I aspire to I wanna be. I want to be life. I want to be Rick Rude in Paris yeah. on a bike. Uh-huh. And, and Greg uh, Lamont. During this match, I noticed that Jimmy Snuka was about five shades lighter, and I thought he had quit tanning, but I believe at this point he had just done so much cocaine he was actually turning white. It's true. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. He uh, might have also spilled so much on him. <laughs> he, uh, he was just showering with it at he this time. Just... Uh, here's a fun piece of trivia. Uh, on March oh, 24th, is... 91, Snooka was defeated by The Undertaker at WrestleMania, which began The Undertaker streak, mm-hmm. which is pretty neat. And that is my favorite version of The Undertaker. Uh, the, the the gloves, the, uh, the old school, no selling shit setting no, up. No, 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 no. Nick has told me in confidence when we've been hanging out and drinking that he likes the ultimate badass. I, American badass. The American badass. Harley uh, Davidson so Ameri- much. It's uh, so true. American badass Undertaker made me quit watch re- watching wrestling <laughs> for like five fucking years. And I want to say this, uh, I think I've mentioned on the, the podcast before that I'm re-watching through the WWE Network, which I got to year 2000 in like a year. It's taken me six months to watch the last three episodes <laughs> because fucking American Badass Undertaker is, is in year 2000. Keep oh, rolling, rolling, yeah. rolling, 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 And it was like he's he watched every shitty, like he's just every like shitty cliche 80s catchphrase. He's like... Be there or be square. And it's like, fuck, Undertaker, why are you doing this to me? I can't. If Kid Rock is his running partner in 2026, <laughs> it'll all make sense. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. I, I got to calm down from that. Um, 35 minutes. <laughs> I, I don't even, I, I really, I can't. I just bringing that up makes me want to kill myself. Oh, yeah. And during that match, they botched the ending. It's so good. Uh, so Jimmy's supposed to springboard into the ring and Taker's supposed to catch him and, and switch tombstone him. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But Taker like doesn't catch him, so he's sitting there just holding him awkwardly <laughs> for like seven seconds. And Bobby the Brain Heenan goes, look at the strength of this man! And like right on cue, he just sets Jimmy down. <laughs> like, it was, it's so goddamn funny. Bobby's, Bobby's got to do what Bobby's got to do. Yeah, I mean, he was doing, he was doing his damnedest to put the spot over, and then, and then he had to set him down because he couldn't hold him anymore. And then they, he did like a punch, and then right, Tombstone, right, right. you know. So, there's that. 
January of 92, he was back in the Royal Rumble. This one was for the vacant WWF championship, but he only lasted three minutes before Taker tossed him out. Uh, which be, now would be a good time to point out Snuka never held a WWF title. Ever. Nothing. And uh, they, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, very unreliable guy. You can't give someone a belt. Why didn't I ever hold the WWF title? Uh, Jimmy Snuka, why do you think you never held the WWF title? Oh, you know, brother, it's just, brother, uh, you got to go what you got to do, and it's no big deal. I, I get paid what I got to get paid for, and it's like everybody's a good guy, everybody part is hard, everybody's a fantastic guy, great guy. Uh, Jimmy Snuka, part two, your rebuttal. I don't know, brother. <laughs> something I do. That's okay. I had a good time. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Aside from how reliable, unreliable he was, it was another big rumor was that the Nancy stuff could pop back up at no, any moment. I don't, know she, I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> I, well, I just listened to like a British Bulldog podcast and like... Wait, that's they, a specific bu- podcast? About yeah, me? and there was a, a, a bar fight oh. where basically this guy had was harassing Bulldog's wife Bulldog's like, hey, knock it off. And the guy took a swing at him, and Bulldog put him in the front face lock, choked him out, and then dropped him. And the guy got, like, a skull fracture. And that court case went on for, like, four or five years. So, like, you can only imagine the legal trouble that Jimmy would have been in with this incident. We'll talk about in part two. Yeah. And that that was just self-defense type shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was soon after the Royal Rumble that he left WWF again. Uh, in March of 92, at around 50 years old, he went over to NWA's ECW for another fun piece of trivia where he became the first ever ECW champion. Fuck Shane Douglas. Fuck Taz. <laughs> Fuck. Come on. Come on. Uh, Blue Manny. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Uh, he'd have two very short runs with it before losing it to Don Morocco, who he just he can't shake. He can't shake Don. Can't be. He hit the cage splash. He's connected at the hip. From '93 to '94, Snuka would win the TV title, and eventually that would eventually lead to a cage match between uh, t- with him and Terry Funk at Bloodfest Part One. I, I did you watch that? No, but I is it's, it, it's fine. It was good. Oh, is it out there? Because I didn't even know it was out there. It's, it's on the network. It's available. Yeah. Oh, it is. I gotta watch that. In 94, he'd face Tommy Dreamer at the night that crossed the line. And Tommy Dreamer would kick out of the Superfly Splash, that was which huge. was unheard of at the time. Yeah, yeah. that was the big uh, Sabu-Douglas uh, funk match, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and what a night to do that on, because a lot of eyeballs are on this three-way match. Yeah. And then on the same night, you have Tommy Dreamer kicking, kicking out of, out of that. that. They knew what they were working with. Well, that's the thing with like, the genius of Paul Lee. Like, hey, we know this big thing's happening. We really need to get Tommy Dreamer over. Yeah, good for him put, doing it. That you is know, true. Yeah, that's yeah, a good know? point. That's a good so, point. You know, that's just genius on all parts. So uh, Snuka wrestled his last ECW match at Hardcore Heaven 94, where he lost to the Tasmaniac and uh, picked up... Dang. Uh, picked up a tag victory over the Pitbulls. No, he was with him and no, I, know, I, know. I suck at life. Uh, and then a month later, ECW was taken over by Paul Heyman and renamed Extreme Championship Wrestling because it was extreme. Snuka was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame at the 96 Survivor Series weekend. Now, he was removed on the official website of the section of WWE.com but there is a Snuka tribute video from WWE that does call him a Hall of Famer. We'll get into that next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Snuka would also <laughs> compete at Survivor Series in a match with fake Diesel, fake Razor Ramon, real Farouk, and real Vader. Versus, <laughs> I think I have to say real. <laughs> versus Flash Funk, Savio Vega, Yokozuna, and Snuka was the mystery partner. And it was awesome because want to know why? Why? Snuka does hit a superfly splash <laughs> on fake razor and pins him. And then for no reason at all, everyone just starts hitting everyone with chairs. I don't know if you watched it, but it's nuts. No, I didn't. But the match ends in a double DQ. I don't know if they were running over time. but uh, And 96 Survivor Series was the debut of Snuka's nephew, Rocky Maivia, who would go on Shit. to become Dwayne Johnson. 
Through the late 90s and early 2000s, Snooka would spend a lot of his time just doing kind of uh, East Coast indies. Snooka would also appear on a January 10th WSCW Nitro, which I watched almost the entire episode because I hate myself. Okay, uh, elaborate so on that. What's happening during this episode is the old age outlaws, led by Terry Funk, were giving Jeff Jarrett mystery opponents, and all these matches were ref by Crispin because I assume at this point WCW no longer had money for refs. The first opponent was George the Animal Still, then he wrestled Tito Santana, and then it was a cage match with Jimmy Snuka. Uh huh. <laughs> Between each match was a ba- backstage segment, which involved Big Papa Pump having sex with a line of women. And, Softball in his and, arms. And I don't know if Scott Steiner has the mental capacity to consent to sex, so it was a line of women <laughs> taking advantage of a simple, simple Oh, man. poor Scott. Poor, poor Scott. I don't know if Scott is up to this. He can sign off on Shoney's, but can he sign off on buffets? That's the best joke you've ever told. <laughs> ever. Not just on this podcast. I mean, in stand-up. Your, your comedy career is La- shit. Last podcast was the end of my career. This podcast is the end of yours. What are you contributing, Mike? A shitty Jimmy Snooker impersonation? No, I pop. I popped, I popped his beers. I popped his <laughs> beers. True, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so the mat, what more or less happens in the match is they wrestle for about two minutes. Larry Sabisco and Paul Orndorff rush to the cage and attack Jeff, uh, basically laying Jeff out. Uh, then Snuka and Chris <laughs> climb to opposite ends of the cage and no, what a no what judgment. A, no no what judgment a, no <laughs> judgment no judgment shut up Nick what a murderous tag team oh no, no I said no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they both climbed up. Is this uh, part two? Okay, this is part one. I'm sorry. I apologize to Jimmy Snooker. This is the wait, art. Wait. This is the art. Ask me what I did on the top. What did you do on the, the top of the cage? I just saw a brother on the other side of the cage. I saw, saw the, the Canadian. He's a crippler. He's you? like he's like he's like a he's like a Rubid ru, ru, Ravarine. Because <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, you're gonna Jim, be Jimmy. Nancy. Jimmy. Are you are you on cocaine right now? He's a great guy. <laughs> All right, uh, Snuka and Bim on the opposite sides of the cage. Snuka <laughs> hits Jeff with a superfly splash. <laughs> hits him with a diving headbutt and pins him and counts the one two three because <laughs> is the ref. And as much as I hate it, I wanted to hate it. It was fucking awesome. I popped like a motherfucker, <laughs> and I don't care. And I did it. You know what? I did it today. I want it to be awesome, and I'm. Sounds awesome. Uh, to me. I did it today. You I'm, know what? I because I'm whatever. sure they're both talking about it in hell right now. Don't even. On Jan- January twenty second, two thousand two, Snuka would win the International Wrestling Superstars United States Championship by pinning King Kong Bundy. And yes, they were both still wrestling in two thousand two. Snuka was like wrestling up until. Almost till he fucking died. I mean, forever. Yeah, and like he took indie bookings, and yeah, he yeah. he had a top rope. Uh, Superfly yeah. price, and he had a regular wrestling price. Oh, really? Wow! Like if he wow, did the top, wow. uh, he did the, the top. Spot, yeah, he. he well, what would you? Do you have a guess on what that would? I, th- I think it was a matter of like I think. Oh gosh, this is gonna like two hundred bucks difference. Well, yeah, like uh, I want. I, I want to say that he was hundred versus five hundred. No, 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 I think he was like a. I hate talking numbers. No, but but let don't me be that guy. Okay, well, you can't. Don't you be can't, that guy. You let, can't let, tell say what someone gets paid because then you influence how much people get paid in the future. Let me tell you what That's the difference is. I let, understand, let me, but we're putting that a lot of influence on our bullshit. But let me tell you the difference, though. It was I think I'm almost positive it was a two hundred and fifty dollar difference. Well, I can to, see that. To so piggyback what, on that, he. He hated doing the spot as he got older because his knees and elbows were fucking oh, destroyed. Oh yeah, of course. From I mean, doing it. For I understand years. his complaints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like if you want me for this price, this is to do it. He would even. I can't remember who said it, but he was asking people to kind of catch him when he came down because he the impact. Honky Tonk talked about how he wouldn't catch him right, and it fucking gave him a concussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he just almost physically couldn't do the spot, but that's the spot you're known for, and you have to do the spot. So he's like, you know, he's in this. Weird and also too, like he had he had his favorites that he worked on the Indies, like Metal Maniac, Metal Maniac versus Jimmy Snuka, like that was done to death on the Indies because who who is there another name that Metal Maniac might be known for? No, just Metal Maniac. This is fucking over, brother. Like fucking... <laughs> I tried to get something going, and Jake gave Listen, me attitude. Metal Maniac Metal Maniac to Jimmy Snuka is basically what the mascot Jake Manning is to Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> That's what that is. So I've wrestled Good thing Jerry we don't King. have a podcast to put people over. I, I, have, I have wrestled Jerry in eight different states multiple times Jesus. and much in the same sense that the Metal Maniac has wrestled Jimmy Snuka. I didn't realize you wrestled Jerry that much. Alright, so Snuka won a Lifetime Achievement Award from WWE uh, For not getting caught In August of uh, 02 In 04, he made an appearance in TNA At uh, Victory Road Pay-Per-View As a guest on Piper's Pit So he he made his rounds He hit all the big ones Um, So now we're starting to see A few gaps in his career Because he's aging uh, he continued making appearances for WWE in 05 and 07. and 08, he appeared in the Royal Rumble, which he lasted less than five minutes, primarily fighting with his old-time nemesis, Roddy Piper, and both were eliminated by Kane. Because the Kane eliminates everything. Ask me why I didn't win the Royal Rumble. Why didn't you win the Royal Rumble in 08, Jimmy? Uh, brother, you know, it's it's one of those things, you're, you're, you're having fun, you know, it's really fun. And then, uh, and then, like this, this, this guy comes over and it's like, he's like, it's like, it's, it's Ed, it's, it's Ted Bundy, and Ted Bundy comes over and he's like, hey, you want to hang out? And he asked me about Ted Bundy. How, how is Ted Bundy as a just, as a, just as a dude? Ted Bundy is a great guy, fantastic guy. You hang out with Ted Bundy. You go all around. You go in the woods. You hang out with some girls. Jimmy, 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 yeah. Jimmy. Have you done uh. cocaine today? Ted Bundy is a fun guy. All right. That's enough from you, Jimmy. Um, in case you forgot, at this point, Jimmy is... Uh, he's pushing 65 years old. Um, on March of 09, he was on an episode of WWE Raw where he was attacked by Chris Jericho doing a parody of Piper's Pit. And this would be part of a storyline where Jericho was disrespecting and attacking several legends. Now, this would lead to uh, a match at WrestleMania 25, which Snuka teamed up with Steamboat Piper to face Jericho in a handicap match, and Ric Flair was in their corner, and Mickey Rourke was in the crowd, I assume to promote my favorite movie ever, The Wrestler. Broken down piece of meat. <laughs> as far as the match goes, Roddy was solid. He had a lot of energy. Steamboat really carried the match, as he was the only one who Steamboat's always in shape. Forever. Yeah, Steamboat looked great. To be Steamboat's honest. always great. But he had he had the all the back issues, and he was just coming back, and like they okay. he did so good that they booked him like the next couple nights, and there's like serious discussion like. Could we have Steamboat back? I mean, regular really? he, he yeah, was fantastic. There was a little, but also too, he was so good, and also like Richie was wrestling at the time, so oh, he did so well at WrestleMania. He was able to leverage some tag stuff, yeah, in Puerto Rico and tag with his son, which that's, that's obviously funny. a big deal for for Ricky to tag with his son. Seriously, that's awesome. Uh, you know, in a different country, it's it's the equivalent of when I pay. Beer league softball with my dad, and we shared an outfit <laughs> together. Right, that's the same thing. But so. they're paying you. You yeah. want to know who did not look good in that match? Was Jimmy Snuka? Uh, he, it is not looking sharp. He was the first to get eliminated by the walls of Jericho, and then went Roddy, and then finally Ricky. Uh, afterwards, Mickey Rourke gets in the ring after getting caught out by Jericho and knocks him out. <laughs> He's got a devastating right hook, bro. Mickey was a legit. Dominant fucking boxer back in his day. He was a, he was a good boxer. Yes. If you bring up maybe Goldie, not dominant, but boxer. Well, if he had bring, like twelve first round knockouts or something crazy. If someone right? brings up, I'm sure against cans, but stand corrected. If somebody brings up, uh, uh was it uh, Golden Gloves? Golden Gloves. Yeah. Uh, it means jack shit all. Oh, okay. That's that's the kayfabe for Jack Shiddle. So, uh, Snooka would make uh, an appearance on an old school edition of Raw in November of 2010 where he stood beside his daughter Tamina in the corner of their match. Uh, the Usos were wrestling Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov, which uh, would be his last ever WWE oh, God, appearance. Oh, what about that? 
Snuka continued wrestling on the indie circuit until around August of 2015, where Snuka's wife said he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He'd retire at 72, and he would die about 18 months later. I wanted to, you know, let's start wrapping this up. Uh, I wanted to ask Wrestling Encyclopedia Jake Manning this question. Snuka gets a ton of credit about uh, pushing the boundaries of, of a high flyer during the time when throwing a drop kick made you Rey Mysterio Jr. Who should get credit also? Because he wasn't like the first high flyer, right? Oh, that's that's a funny thing when you talk about high flyers in that time. Anyway, there's like a like a flying head scissors, but not like a tilt to whirl, yeah, like a little the run crowd up. lost their minds. Well, like a run up one that like Ricky Morton would right, do, right, right, like right. one of those head scissors, yeah. or even just a drop kick. Like Jim Brunzel was considered a high flyer, Jim. yeah, because of his drop kick. Yeah, okay. like solely just that alone, and then a cross body. Right. But yeah, as far as like somebody that would just climb to the ropes and do something on the ropes, because in some territories, jumping off the top rope was illegal. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so and that's... Even why WCW in the 90s, if you throw him over the top yeah. rope, was fucking a DQ. Yeah, but, and also, too, like, in WCW, Bill Watts, he was saying if you jumped off the top rope, that was also disqualification. Okay. Because... The, but well, but his logic with that was the person that used it the most was Bobby Bobby Eaton. So he was like, oh, you can still use it, but figure out a way for the ref not to be around when you do the Alabama yeah. jam. So it's just a good heel tactic. Yes, but it also hindered people like Brian Pillman, though. And okay. Jushin Thunder Liger. All right. Uh, you got matches? If not, we just... Instagram. All right. We'll throw up Micah's uh, top five or so matches for Jimmy Snuka. I mean, uh, the cage match, the backland match. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll not the WrestleMania match with Jericho. Probably not that one. All right. Final thoughts on Jimmy the Wrestler. Probably was the revolutionary high flyer. I can't think of anybody else. Uh, you know, when you throw that out there, uh, when people talk about early, early, early high flyers, he was the guy, hands down, without he, question. He had a great look. He pulled it all together. Um, it's like, thank God he existed, or Foley might not be what Foley right, is. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine someone more exciting for a young wrestling fan in 1980 to see on a poster. Like you saw, you were gonna see something you probably never saw before. Especially as a minority, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, totally that different. is a that's a huge deal in pro wrestling. Yeah. You look at WWE, he was so over never, and he was a minority man. Yeah, who traditionally not treated very well in pro wrestling, yeah. and to be not one of the guys, but the guy for a long time, that's a big fucking deal. Yeah, to uh, the point that you're threatening Hulk Hogan. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And I wanted to have a short discussion on this. Uh, say he's a reliable guy. Uh, he's not missing booking. Say the Nancy thing never happens. Are we sitting here talking about 12-time champion Jimmy Snuka as opposed to Snuka who had a good career in the 80s and that was it? Uh, not a good promo guy. That That's a good point, but you give him a mouthpiece like Bobby the Brain Heenan and then... That would make him a heel. I would say... His promos uh, were fucking weird. Intercontinental champion. Multiple time tag team champion. Okay. I would see him as a guy that you could just put with in a tag team situation. Right. And he gets the other guy over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I could see him being 12-time tag he's team a, champion. Whatever the opposite of a heat magnet is. Yeah. He's a, he's a he, face magnet. He, he gets people over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see him definitely being that in pro wrestling. A- ask me why the click didn't push me over the edge. <laughs> well, well, Jimmy, did you did the click ever mess with you? Did they ever push you towards the edge? I want to be honest with you, brother. The click... Might have had some power in WWF. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Fly Snuka, for this uh, interview. It's it's uh, it was something. <laughs> uh, now, wrestling aside, real quick. Uh, May tenth, nineteen eighty three. Police received a phone call from Jimmy Snuka. He told them that Nancy Argentino, Snuka's girlfriend and mistress, was unresponsive in bed. And he asked for assistance at the Allentown, Pennsylvania Hotel. And that is where we will pick up Jimmy Superfly Snooka Part 2. Shit. So let's wrap up real t- real quick. Uh, Jay Trotter, 27 on Twitter. Manscap mounting on everything. Uh, at Tim Bell Pod, let us know what you think. Tell a friend. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a Five review. stars. Five stars on iTunes. Five stars like a goddamn Kenny Omega match. Uh, <laughs> leave a review. Thank you 
so much for listening. We'll see you in part two of Jemmy Superfly Snooker.